This is Buccaneers Total Access with head coach Todd Bowles. Hey, that's a hell of a job coming down here being the good football team. Three-step drop, throws all the end zone. Caught ball! Touchdown, Tampa Bay! Mike Evans reaches up with one hand and grabs it in. Brought to you by Advent Health. With award-winning care and a network of convenient locations, Advent Health is here to help you feel whole. Learn more at yourcareyournetwork.com. Fire the cannons! Now your host, Bucks team reporter Casey Phillips and head coach Todd Bowles. Welcome into the Todd Bowles Show. Casey Phillips here with the man himself, head coach Todd Bowles. First of all, congrats on the win. Not a bad way to, to start your, your reign as head coach here. We won't go 0-17, so I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy. Yeah, you know, that's a good perspective. That sounds like the perspective of someone that's been in this league for a little while, you know, and knows that things can be crazy and to take every game, yes. the, the coach speak one game at a time moment. I always go into every year having to get that first win off my belt, whether I'm a position coach, coordinator, or head coach, because if you don't and they start compiling, it gets to be more pressure and more pressure. So to get the first one out the way, now we can just go ahead and play. It does always feel like week one is where everyone either hits the panic meter or the they're winning the Super Bowl. That one game feels like it matters so much more when it's the only game on the books, even though they all end up mattering the same at the end. But for you guys, how important did that one feel, knowing it's on prime time, knowing that it's you know a road game, an important NFC opponent, does it feel a little bit more important, this first win? It was important because when the schedule came out, you know the first four games supposedly were the gauntlet games. And going down to Dallas after the way we played the game last year, an exciting game last year, we turned it over four times. We had 11 penalties, and the game came down to the end. We understood what we wanted to do and what we wanted to accomplish. We didn't still accomplish everything because we didn't score in the red zone, but we moved the ball up and down. We cut down on the penalties, and we cut down on the turnovers, and it was a lot different result. And that has to be the best stuff in your mind of what changes you'd want to happen based on it being week one. That Those are the kind of things it feels like typically takes you a lot more time during the season to work out. The penalties, the communications, the, the stuff that can drive a coach crazy in particular. For you to play as cleanly as you guys did week one, what did that tell you about the team overall and what you guys might be able to accomplish if, if week one you're already doing that? It told me they were focused, you know, going down there, especially the first four or five games of the year, you're trying to find out who you are and develop your identity. I thought they came out, they were focused, they executed, they communicated with each other and they flew around and that's a good sign, especially in week one when you don't know what you're getting from the other team. And when you speak of identity, that's always, I think, a question people have when a new head coach takes over is what is the team going to look like under this person? Now, it's a little different when you've already been here and you're still the one calling the defensive plays like you were last year. It's not as big of a change. But if you look specifically at the Cowboy game, especially as compared to last year, the opener, where Brady threw it 50 times last year, and then now this is a game where it's big defense, some sacks and a takeaway, it's a run game, and then still a few longer passing plays when needed. Is this what we could maybe now say is the ideal Todd Bowles game? No, it isn't. My ideal game is to take what they're giving us and win the ball game. Now, if we have to throw it 50 times and they give us 50 throws, we'll take 50 throws. But Lenny got off to a hot start and we fed the hot hand and Byron did a great job of play calling the offensive line got off the ball and started blocking and taking over the line of scrimmage, and he stayed with it. So I was happy with it, and the defense was getting off the field on third down, so it was good complimentary football. But it's not like I ordered 
every run. Byron is a great play caller. He understands what they're trying to do to him and keeping it on the ground. He felt this game was a great idea and it turned out to be great. And when you have an offensive line that this was going to be the first game with a lot of them playing together to see the kind of run production you got and keeping Brady upright for the most part against a Cowboys defense that can wreak some havoc in there, that had to be maybe one of the bigger sighs of relief to see that it's not even just about surviving with this new offensive line, but thriving. I think it was very smart of Byron because they do run block very well. It's easier to run block than to pass block and pick up twists and stunts that you haven't seen. Run blocking is a lot easier, so he got them comfortable early. Once they got comfortable early, he had some timely throws in there, and I thought he brought them along nicely. What did you think particularly of Luke Gedeke and Robert Hainsey in their first starts, uh, you know, Luke Gedeke's first NFL game period, the way they approached it mentally, their preparation, the way they handled the moment, maybe some of the communication as well, some of the things that can trip up guys in their first game a lot of times. I thought they played winning football, and that's, that's not perfect football. I thought they played winning football. I thought they got off the ball well. I thought they communicated well. There were some things we got to get better at that we got to tweak. They were not clean all the way through, but that was to be expected. But for the most part, we didn't lose a beat as far as running the football, as you can see. And we left Tom enough time to make some throws, and they can only get better and better. I was very pleased with them. And separate from the O-line producing some of those holes for running, what did you see from Leonard's running himself? And then, I mean, he's even throwing in a heck of a chip block in there, took out Micah Parsons at one moment, just his game overall and, and how exciting that is to see how ready he was week one. He looks good. He could always run, but he was finishing the runs. He was doing the hitting instead of being hit. He was punishing defensive backs that were smaller. His shoulders were forward. He was downhill. He was focused, and he looked just like he did in college. I know you mentioned the lack of red zone production being one of the areas that you guys still wish you'd cleaned up a little bit more. I think, yeah, it took six drives maybe that were inside the 30 to actually get the touchdown on there. What was happening that stalled things out that there'd be so much production moving down and then coming to a bit of a screeching halt at times? Well, I, Micah made two plays. Obviously, mm -hmm. he got us on third down, two of the twists we were talking about, and we were off just a little bit. You know, we were off just a little bit trying to make a play and couldn't make it and had to settle for field goals. But We'll get better at that. Week one, you're going to be off at something. The, the key is to win the game while you're off at something, while you get better at it. With your offense, obviously, Chris Godwin, Donovan Smith, two very important pieces that got a little banged up in the game. What are you guys thinking you know in terms of their injuries and, and how long before we might be able to see them back in action again? Well, we're hoping that it's not as bad as they initially said it would be. And those guys... They work hard. I know they'll get back as soon as possible. I think Donovan's will more be a pain tolerance thing. And Chris, it was a low ball. He kind of bent down to get it, and that kind of tweaked something in it. But I don't think it was as serious as it was. So I think we'll get him back sooner than we thought we would. And Julio Jones, our first look at him in a Buccaneers uniform. I think Bucks fans enjoy that a lot more than what he did uh, as a member of the Falcons <laughs> to <laughs> us. And he, I mean, man, people also wondered, you know, how – old or young he was going to look out there where is he in his prime and here you he's out there running jet sweeps and he's you know long deep balls <laughs> like this guy looks like julio jones of the youth he, he looks good yeah. i mean he looks good he, we see it every day in practice he looks good he couldn't wait to get out there he's a heck of a receiver he's a heck of a player he's very smart he blocks he'll do all the little things and 
he helps the receivers out from a mental standpoint, and he's just a joy to be around. So we're happy to have him. Casey Phillips here with head coach Todd Bowles. Um, we talked a lot of the offense the first bit. Of course, we have to mention Mike Evans and that incredible touchdown catch, a couple other long bombs. Uh, I just getting to watch him and Julio Jones, and of course when you have Fournette going, but just the complimentary style and the way that they can still stretch that defense. What did you see from Mike's game and, and that play in particular that just makes you really happy he's on your side? Well, Mike makes those plays in practice like every day. So it's kind of a normal thing for me to see it, but to do it in the game on Sunday night, opening week, you know, it just shows everybody how special he really is. And special teams, uh, that was the unit that had been interesting during preseason, getting a chance to watch new rookie Jake Camarda get his first action out there, and then the kicker battle that had happened that Suckup ended up winning. Um, I know there were a few games in the preseason you weren't thrilled with the coverage units completely in their performances. So looking at all three dimensions of the special teams, week one, how did you feel? I thought that was the best they played in a long time. Mm -hmm. I thought they were physical, they flew around, they got after Turpin. Uh, they had some great hits, some great tackles. They tried to block till the end of the play. I thought that was the best they've played in a long time. That's I was very happy with that. That's great. And now on the defensive side, I mean, man, Dallas never got inside the 30. Uh, Dak finished with less than a 50% completion rate for just the fourth time in his career. Held him to 244 yards, and of course, they're last year's highest scoring team, and you end up with three points. That has to just, all of that has to be music to your ears week one of, that it's, this is a good test typically for a defense, and all of those stats show just such a complete picture. What do you feel like overall led to such success on that side of the ball? I think the preparation and the communication. I think we had more time to practice with each other now that COVID's over. I think the communication has been great from day one. The preparation these guys have becoming more professional with Devin and Levante in the middle, Vita and Hicks up front leading them, and Logan and Antoine in the back and all those guys meeting together going over the game plan. I thought they executed everything as a group, probably the best since I've been here. And Devin White, big game for him. Uh, eight tackles, two sacks, almost an interception that I'm sure you probably told him should have been one. Is that, is that accurate? Of course. Of course you did. Of course you did. This is what I've learned. Any, anytime I see somebody almost get an interception, now I'm already like, ooh, he's well, going to hear about that. Defensively, you should always catch the ball. It, it's it's going to be a tough throw anyway because it's not intended for you. Right. So every ball you get is not intended for you. So don't tell me that it was a bad throw or that it was this or that. All the throws going to be bad or they wouldn't come to you. Yeah. So you have to make the play no matter what. That's pretty funny. But yeah, outside of that, yeah, eight tackles, two sacks, great game for him. Um, is this the Devin overall in that game that you essentially want and have come to expect after these last few years? It was his best game, not because of the stats, but because he ran the show from a quarterback standpoint, he made the adjustments, he played within the scheme, he understood and made people around him better, and he still made his plays within the scheme. So that's the Devin that we're accustomed to seeing, and, and he took a big step in his leadership role and maturity standpoint in this game, and it's just got to continue every week. And I saw Levante also flying around in the way that Levante can, getting his hand on a few balls to break up passes. And uh, how did you see the two of them working together? And maybe is it even something we've talked about with Akeem Hicks and Vita Vea being up there, the way they were going to be able to free up Devin and Levante to do a few other things? How did you see 
Devin and Levante and what they were able to do be a little bit maybe even different this time as compared to years in the past? This time, I think with Devin's maturity and knowledge of the game, it kind of meshed with Levante's a little bit more. So they talked about things and understood what was going to happen before it happened. Before, Levante would let Devin run around and he would clean up the mess, but <laughs> he didn't have to clean up anything. And I thought they, they did a great job communicating up front. Those two big guys up front helped them run side to side. And I think together, they're finding out each other's strengths and weaknesses so they can take advantage of it. And uh, your guy, Antoine Winfield Jr., getting an interception. I know that had to make you happy. And, and just in general, I mean, the defense has generated 83 takeaways since you came in to take charge here. It's the third most in the league. That This is something that you are good at helping set them up to do and that I know is an important stat to you that takeaways are, are really big. So how great was that to get the season kicked off with one and, and tell us about the play that, that led to it for Antoine? The most exciting thing was he caught it with his hands. You know, <laughs> he's usually been catching it with his chest and he's been missing them and it's been bouncing off. And he has great hands because he was a punt returner in college. So to see him pluck that one out the sky and make it look so natural, that was impressive. For him getting comfortable a little bit in that nickel spot, playing zone, understanding where things are, and recognizing plays and taking advantage of it, that's the win field that we expect to make a ton of plays. Yeah, and we saw you you like having a lot of your safeties out there. They're, they're a great group. You may be a little partial to safeties yourself, you know, we know. <laughs> we may, may be a little biased on that too. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you, we saw that you, you enjoyed that, that three safety look a little bit in this game. Tell me how nice it is for you to have a bunch of these guys that can do different things, and even when it comes to playing nickel and, and just the different body types, different skill sets you have back there, and how that lets you dial a bunch of different things up. I like it depending on the game plan. Actually, you know, I like the three-corner look with a corner that can play some safety. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we have big plans for Sean to be back there and do something. In this game, it required three mm -hmm. safeties with Winfield being one, Logan being the other, and Mike being the other one. But all three are interchangeable. They all can play nickel. They all can play strong. They all can play free. So that gives us different latitude to do a lot of disguising, a lot of different pressures without changing the people because they all know all three spots. And we haven't gotten into that yet, but it, it gives you more leverage as far as doing things. And I think that's important. It feels like the way you described that and what you like to do with your defense kind of reminds me of how people talk about the Saints offense, where they have a bunch of different guys that can do different things and that just because they're out on the field doesn't mean you know what this play is going to be. So what are the challenges in preparing for that, game planning for that, when the personnel alone doesn't give away as much as it might for another team? Well, you got Taysom Hill who can play tight end, wide out, or quarterback, or running back for that matter. <laughs> Jarvis Landry can run the ball. He got reverses. He can do a bunch of things. And they have pieces that allow them to move around and get you in certain defensive sets that they can take advantage of. So it's going to be a big challenge this week. Looking at guys like Jameis, Alvin Kamara, some of the other parts of their offense, uh, what are the biggest things that you feel like our defense will need to be prepared for or work on, or how, how are those the strength-on-strength strength ideas of these two teams going to potentially match up on that side? It's going to be a chess match. You know, anytime Alvin's out there, he's a threat, running the ball, catching the ball, playing wide receiver, moving around. He's another one of those pieces that can do a lot of things. Uh, Jameis has been here. He knows all the guys inside out. It's just a matter of 
whether we can get them behind the sticks or whether they can play ahead of the sticks. And that'll be the chess match. It'll be easier if we got them behind the sticks. It'll be easier for them if they got ahead of the sticks. So it's going to be a chess match and it's going to be a lot of back and forth. How about preparing for the noise, the atmosphere there, especially when you do have a new offensive line that's still working together in the communication? I mean, I know that you were happy that there was only the 25 penalty yards this last week, but they were all, I believe, pre-snap penalties. So still the kind of thing you're wanting to eliminate and that you know can be tough against the New Orleans Saints. So what are some of the things that you guys may try to do to mitigate those effects? Well, we have crowd noise. You know, number one, we have crowd noise going in. We have silent counts. We understand what we're walking into. We know it's very loud in that stadium every time we play. And they have a great home crowd. But, you know, as an opponent going into a stadium like that, nothing's better than to try to quiet a crowd down in their own house. And how about their, uh, their new addition, their rookie, Chris Olave? What did you think of their addition to him and how he could change things for them? Talented. You know, he can stretch the field. He can go across the middle. He has great hands. He's a great piece to have. And then looking at the importance of a game like this, you talked about the beginning, the gauntlet part of the schedule. It, it's, you kind of said it in quotes where it makes it feel like you as coaches don't necessarily think of it that way. Or how would you look at this part of the schedule and this game against the Saints and what it might mean? I actually don't. I mean, if they're on a schedule, you're going to have to play them at some point. I don't think any part of the schedule is that hard because teams are different than they were the year before. I can't say we got these four out the way, now we're going to just run the table because the other games, you'll lose those games too. So we take them one day at a time. We take them one game at a time. We don't play them all together. We focus and concentrate on that one opponent. After we take care of that opponent, we rest up and we'll move on to the next one. Uh, looking at you coming in as this head coach for the first time and you're, you're calling plays, but then you're also taking on that new role. How did that uh, work out for the first game in the way that your new roles, new responsibilities, and how you tried to map that out for what that would look like in the game, maybe who some other people were that were delegated some different responsibilities and, and how the flow was for you? I think it worked out fine. You know, I think Coach Christophel's down on the field We've delegated him some different responsibilities about situational football, holding the chart, when to go for two, when not to go for two, when, how much time on the clock, when we need to call timeouts in two minutes. Between him down on the field, Tim Atkins down on the field, and Chico up in the box, they've been delegated different roles that way to help out whenever needed and whenever asked, so we talk a lot. I think me and Byron have great communication anyway. We check on things when it's third and one, could it be fourth and one, whether we go for it or not, whether we punt, whether we go for it in two minutes, whether we're too far backed up and the clock runs out. But we have different guys doing a bunch of different things, from Casey to Foot doing adjustments on the sidelines when they come off the field, to Goody adjusting the run game with Joe. Everybody's kind of intertwined, and we've been together for quite a while, so it's been kind of easy. So you got to give your first victory speech as a head coach here. Uh, where does this rank in, in roles and responsibilities you love or hate as a head coach? It ranks number one because if you're giving victory speeches, yeah. you're winning games. Yeah. So it's always good to give a victory speech, but it's only the first game. So you don't want to be too high, but you don't want to be too low. You want to make sure you enjoy it. 24-hour rule, win, lose, or draw. Enjoy it for 24 hours, let it go. So do you feel like you're good at victory speeches? If you were to think about all the ones you've heard, even when you were a player, watched other coaches give, how do you feel like you're, what, what type of guy Depending on the victory and the moment, I can be a great victory speaker. I can be very loud, 
and fired up or I can be very philosophical. <laughs> it all depends on where we are in the season, how important the game was, and where do we go from there. I like that. You and know, I... If it's the Super Bowl, you got to have a heck of a victory speech. Yeah. If it's the first game, you got to have a nice victory Even speech. Even keel. I like that. And uh, I figured this is a perfect time to talk about the fact you, you earned your college degree recently, which <laughs> congratulations. It's very exciting. And uh, what, what was the motivation behind that and, and now to know that you've finished it, the, the feeling of satisfaction there? Well, my mother passed in 2009, and the only thing she ever wanted me to do when she was leaving said, just make sure I get my degree for nothing else for my kids. And I promised her I would do it, you know, and life has passed by. I have been trying to go to school to get it for the longest. And they kept giving me the run around up there at Temple for the longest time. So I finally enrolled in the Mount St. Mary's and they worked with me and I took online classes. And, you know, that's probably the most self-gratifying thing and the hardest thing I've ever done at this age. And yeah. I have one kid in college, I have two more that's coming out that's going to go to college. So it was important for me, for them to see it, but it was more important for me to keep my word to my mother and make her proud. That is awesome. Well, congratulations on that and congratulations on the week one win, Coach. And uh, congrats on this upcoming season and first year as the head coach here. I appreciate it. Thank you, Case. All right, we got plenty more coming up here on Buccaneers Total Access brought to you by Advent Health. This is Buccaneers Radio. Buccaneers Total Access, brought to you by Advent Health. Pressure coming up the gun, and Prescott goes down. He's sacked for the first time of the game. Devin White, linebacker blitz. Now more with head coach Todd Bowles and Bucks team reporter Casey Phillips. Welcome back into Buccaneers Total Access. We just had head coach Todd Bowles on for the first half of the show, and now I am so excited to be joined by pass game coordinator and inside linebackers coach Larry Foote. Coach, thanks for being with us. Uh, thanks for having me, and uh, I'm excited. Yeah, we and we got a win to talk about. Always fun when you get to be the coach on after a win. Hopefully that'll be every week this year, but let's start with week one. Uh, just how important was that victory and the way you guys were able to get it, especially, I'm sure, as a defensive coach, to prove that you guys are able to hold a team like the Cowboys to three points? Well, it's hard to win in this league, and uh, especially on the road. In a um, hostile environment, playing against Dallas Cowboys, and uh, we knew the, the weapons they had over there, especially from a defense standpoint. Uh, we had a big challenge, and uh, holding any team to three points, I think that's, you know, Guys were locked in, but that's a little more luck in my opinion. But <laughs> the guys did a great job, and uh, that don't happen that often. Yeah, I mean, I, I think about how the Cowboys' offense, or they, the team overall was the highest scoring team in the NFL last year. And thinking about some of the stats from this game, they, they never got inside the 30. Uh, Dak finishes with less than 50% completion rate just the fourth time in his career only 244 yards. I mean, that's an incredible performance. And uh, what would you say big picture defensively was what you guys think was the best that, that helped produce a lot of those stats? Uh, the communication. And, you know, we had a lot of checks on, and uh, those guys communicated. You know, they, they tried to tempo us a little bit. Sometimes calls get in late, but I was more impressed with, uh, especially my guys, communicating uh, to the back end and getting everybody lined up. That was uh, impressive. Uh, you know, Devin is a guy that you guys asked that of pretty much right off the bat in right. his career. And he, I know that rookie year had a bit of an injury that set him back a bit. And then 
you know, there was last year that maybe not as many of the, the big splash plays as I know he expects of himself or that you guys kind of want from him. But then now here he comes in week one. He's got eight tackles, two sacks, almost an interception, which I'm sure you talked about making an actual interception. That um, was a pick six. A regular interception, yeah. that was a pick six. A pick six that he didn't get. I love that. So looking at his game overall, would you say that this is – what you guys expect from him? Is it even more that you expect? or what, How did this compare to the Devin that you guys even brought in here and what you want him to be? Well, as his coach, you know, hopefully he's not watching this show because you have mentioned splash plays. Yes. Everybody mentioned splash plays. And players got to protect themselves from that because uh, they'll start pressing. Mm. Uh, all Devin got to do is play rock-solid ball. He has God-given ability. If he stays healthy, he'll make his – He'll, he'll make enough plays so he can get Pro Bowls and get voted, all this and that. But if he want to be a Hall of Famer, if he want to uh, leave behind a great legacy, he got to win. And uh, that's our position. You know, quarterback, you can be a Dan Marino, don't win, but you can still be a legend. But as linebacker, you got to win to be a legend. Yeah, tell me a little bit more about Levante's game and what you saw from him of – what he did really well, and then maybe a few things that you wish had happened a little differently. Well, he dropped an interception. Uh, There's another opportunity he could have broke on the ball, but he was solid. Played man to man on a good tight end. Uh, he's part of the communication. Him and Devin and um, those guys did a great job on the back end, lining guys up. And I told him this. I heard a interesting stat. Like uh, I was on Twitter. We were talking about in the, in the linebacker room yesterday. He's the first linebacker in 10 years. They have 1,000 tackles, 10-plus sacks, 20-something, whatever. But I said, you know, I'm going to get on the local media, starting with you. This guy should be a Hall of Famer. Like, his name is not as big. And I say that because talking around the league, my ex-buddies, guys who play linebacker, they don't think he gets his just due. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's a special player. Uh, What's unique about Levante is he's great at covering blitzing, playing and run zone coverage. There's not a lot of great line Hall of Fame linebackers that don't have that those attributes that they're great at those major categories. But I told him I'm gonna embarrass you this week if I talk to the media, but uh he was great. He's a leader, a humble guy, and uh he's definitely a pillar in this organization as you know. Yeah, yeah, we're talking to Coach Larry Foote and I know that it, it is so crazy how everybody in Tampa is just like Team Levante. Right. How is this not more of a thing? Why do you think that is that he hasn't gotten the attention? Is it just the fact that he had largely been on a team that didn't get as much national coverage? What What do we got to do to, like you well, said, we're, we're all joining on you this? You got to yeah. win. Mm-hmm. You got to win. Uh, I blame the local media, starting, <laughs> starting with you. Wow. <laughs> but uh, I don't want to knock other linebackers because they just, you know, they earn their just due. But this guy is, should be up there. Every time they talk about top linebackers, he should be up there. And uh, like I told him, I said, you got to win a couple more Super Bowls. And uh, at, at that position, you got to win to get the height. Right. And now I know that having guys like Akeem and Vita playing on the line together, and, you know, I, I just love throwing out the stat continuously of 700 pounds right. of combined <laughs> man on that line. That's on paper. That could be a little higher yeah, than we're that, gonna, but go ahead. We, we round up, we round down. We, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a nice round number training we'll camp, with. Training camp weight, the start of training camp yes. weight compared to about late October. Yeah, yeah. Right after Thanksgiving. I'm not in the business of outing people's uh, <laughs> day-to-day weight. None of us want to get on that train there. Uh, but, you know, around 
700 pounds yeah, combined correct. together that, you know, everybody talked about what they could do together, what they could produce. But then I also loved hearing people say the ways that having them up there and the way they play could help Devin and Levante. Have you seen that already? And what are the ways that you feel like having those guys affect what Devin and Levante can do? Well, I can speak to that personally. You know, I, I wouldn't have had a, a long career without the big guys in front of me. So I'm used to especially three, four, starting with Vita. I mean, them guys are huge. And uh, as offensive line coach, every week when you set up for the run game and stuff, you got to account for those guys. Those guys can push the pocket. So when you're doing double teams, you know, they want to come off and get the linebackers. But when you play us, you might have to stay on there a little bit longer. So them guys – quickness and speed uh they can take off and make plays they can play downhill and uh some some teams have a game plan we got to handle these big guys and linebacker running backs you make the linebackers miss so uh but definitely those guys gonna uh, reap the benefits playing behind those guys and what have you seen uh from akeem hicks so far getting to watch him in training camp and preseason and then now one regular season he's just game. big he's big <laughs> he's mean he's nasty and uh, just through training camp with our guys and practicing with uh, with the Dolphins and with Tennessee, mm -hmm. you know, you see a little push in, a little extracurricular, but not with him. The guys leave him alone. Yeah. So <laughs> smart, I start smart noticing people. that, like, they're a little afraid of that guy. You know, <laughs> they can feel his strength, but he don't get a, a, in a lot of pushing contests. I think offensive linemen. People they, know they'll lose. They'll leave him alone. Yeah, which is funny because he does seem like the nicest person off right. the field. Yeah. I'm always intrigued by that when people can be too, a little Jekyll and right. Hyde situation of an Don't entirely one I'm person. worried about. I, I'm not comfortable with them type of guys. <laughs> what, were you exactly the same on and off the field? No, no, I was loud mouth always on and off the field. <laughs> I played with a guy, Troy Palomalo, he was like that. Hey, hi, nice. How you doing? But when that whistle blows, knock your block off, yeah. Step on your hands, you do everything. <laughs> That's so funny. And then how about what you've seen from Vita Savari produce that sack? What did you see in his uh, in his game and just what you think you know he could be this year and, and where he's come even in his career so far? Oh, he can wreck a game. Uh, he's still relatively young. Was it fifth year, fourth year? Mm -hmm. So uh, he's just hitting his stride, uh, hitting his peak. So the sky's the limit for him. We, we know how talented he is. He loves to play the game, and uh, he brings a, a certain – level of juice that everybody uh, tries to match. And then uh, how about Will getting to play along with those guys? Because the same way that I feel like Levante doesn't always get the national attention he deserves, mm -hmm. um, I feel like Will doesn't always get the credit he deserves for the role he's played in this defense, and he's been asked to do a lot of different things over the course of his career here. It finally feels like this defense is what Will is kind of built for, mm -hmm. and then to have guys like Akeem and, and Vita next to him. What do you see as – what Will brings and how this group of guys around him could really set him up for success too. Well, I, I'm assuming he's older than Hicks, but uh, he's the older older guy in there. He brings a toughness, a meanness. Uh, stopping the run is not as sexy, you know, yeah. in the NFL. But three years we've been number one twice, two out of three. I think last year we failed at uh, three. But Will, he's the anchor. You know, uh, he does all the dirty work, but that's why we want him back. I know. In, in the coaching room, we value what he brings to the team, and uh, he brings a toughness, and uh, guys feed off of that. And then 
How about Logan Hall now coming in as a rookie, his first game, you know, got in there, got some reps. What are the, the expectations of the role we hope he could play in this defense? Got to make plays. You got to make plays. Uh, he did a great job uh, the other night for us. But he just got to learn and just uh, put his hand in the pile. And we expect big things from him because he's so talented. And uh, I'm excited to see how he grows. And then uh, I know Carlton and Jamel list. I know the depth chart is always something that I'm sure right. more more outside people pay as much attention to than you guys in there. And it, it always, especially in a Bulls defense where things are never what they seem in terms of how, uh, you know, who's a starter, who's right. not, the way we're lining up. But to show uh, Jamel listed as a starter outside opposite of Carlton, uh, what do you guys see from the two of them? And now I know this is, again, part of your new title this year, the pass game coordinator, right. and um, what you feel like the two of them as the outside guys could look like. Uh, well, they got great length. Uh, every DB coach and coordinator, they want their corners with length. Uh, we fortunate to have guys with length and can play. They're still coming and hitting their zone. I think fourth year for Carlton, I think it's third year. So uh, we expect those guys to keep growing, keep growing. And uh, the games get slower the older you get. You start, uh, you don't need to open your playbook as much. You can just watch film and look for tendencies. But those guys are confident. Uh, they should be. We had a lot of success here, but uh, they, haven't re they haven't reached their peak yet, and we, uh, we're looking forward to them doing it. All right, we got plenty more coming up here on Buccaneers Total Access with pass game coordinator and inside linebackers coach Larry Foote. Brought to you by Advent Health. This is Buccaneers Radio. You're listening to Buccaneers Total Access with head coach Todd Bowles and Bucks insider Casey Phillips. Brought to you by Advent Health. Welcome back into Buccaneers Total Access. I'm here with pass game coordinator and inside linebackers coach Larry Foote. Antoine Winfield Jr. getting that interception. And I want to hear a little bit about that play. It looked like multiple people could have ended up with that interception. <laughs> Carlton was probably like, dang it, I was right there too. Uh, tell me about that play and what worked so well and, and the, just what about Antoine Winfield Jr. Just, it never surprises me when he's right. a guy making a big play. It was a zone, and when we play zone, sometimes it calls for us to see the quarterback. Try to bait him a little bit. He baited uh, Prescott and he broke on it, he caught it. The main thing, he just catch the ball, and he looked good. Uh, Carlton had great eyes on that play. He would have caught it. Winfield beat him to the punch. Yeah, that's so great. And, and you know, the defense uh, has generated 83 takeaways since this staff came in, which is the third most in the NFL in that time. Mm -hmm. And what do you think it is about this defensive scheme, this group of guys? Is that something that you guys really harp on more than a lot of other things, or where, where does that fall in terms of how you guys produce that? Uh, it works hand in hand when I say that pass rush. Uh, you can speed the quarterback up a little bit. Uh, great coverage. Uh, I mentioned to the guys, Nelson sack. Carlton did a great job because he wanted to throw the ball hot, but he took it away. So if you got guys rushing the pass or speeding it up, you know, interception is going to happen. We got it, you know, it's our job to catch it, of course. And we got uh, Levante punching the ball out every second, every chance he gets. But guys are ball conscious. Uh, Bo stresses that, that we got to get turnovers. And, you know, I think they enjoy doing the roll the boat, roll the boat. Yes, so, they uh, just want that celebration. That's what <laughs> that's, it is. They don't care who gets it. They want to meet in the end zone and do it. And uh, it's exciting. I know that, uh, again, with you being now the pass game coordinator, looking at how, uh, especially in things like nickel, who you use where and some of the decisions you guys have made. You have so many guys that can play a lot of different positions. And what are the decisions that go into something like that of how you use some of that personnel back there, knowing you have guys that can play a lot of different things and, and have the athletic ability to do a lot? 
Prop mindset, the more you can do. And uh, everybody wants to play. Of course, everybody can't play at one time. So the more you can do, if you're a corner and you can, uh, hey, coach, I can play the safety position, you, you need to show him. And Bowles is uh, magnificent at that putting, I mean, he can put a DB in, in on the defensive line, a defensive lineman at the linebacker position. So uh, the more you can do when we start putting packages together, if you have shown the coaches that you're capable and willing, uh, we're going to call your number. Logan Ryan and Keanu Neal, a couple of the, the veteran safeties that got brought in this offseason, what do you like about them and, and what were the main things that made you guys feel like, yeah, these, these are guys that can fit into this kind of scheme and this kind of defense? Well, they're both vets and uh, played a lot of ball in this league. Uh, Neal is a big-time thumper. Everybody knows he brings a physicality that uh, everybody can't bring. Uh, Logan's more the cerebral type, uh, can line guys up. He played in a lot of defense, and he knows ball. And uh, with our young guys, that you know, that's just going to help them. I know last year you were the outside linebackers coach, mm -hmm. uh, so we figured we'd talk about your your old guys that were in your room. And but Don't uh, mention that to my, my new guys. Oh, they, yeah. They don't like me talking to Shaq and those guys. Yeah, they're like, hey, come on, they're you're like, our dad now. They, they get on me. <laughs> they're, they're a little jealous out there. I like it. Um, so tell me about how, how you felt like the outside linebacker group performed on Sunday. They did good. Uh, Joe uh, Tryon is getting better. Uh, I think Nelson is hitting his peak. Uh, I think it's year three or year four for him. Shaq is uh, dominant, as always. I'm glad we got Carl back. And uh, bring another uh, toughness, another uh, guy with length to the room. But those guys did a great job. It was, uh, wasn't that many sacks from that uh, room, but uh, a lot of quick game. They dropped well. That probably don't get mentioned. You know, they did some uh, good things dropping his own coverage. I think Tryon might have had a chance for an interception, but uh, those guys did a good job, job uh, dropping. Yeah, and Tryon's a guy that I know there was going to be a lot asked of him this year, especially now that JPP isn't mm -hmm. here anymore, and there were a lot of, a lot of reps, a lot of snaps to go mm -hmm. around to make up for that. Uh, what are the biggest things that you've seen Joe grow in, and what made the team feel like that? Yeah, that he is he's ready to be the guy that's getting more snaps. Well, he's extremely athletic. He, he's a smart guy. Uh, he didn't play that much ball in college, so he's still learning how to play the position. Uh, the great thing is get to come in the room with Shaq Barrett, who's a phenomenal pass rusher, and, he, and he's teaching him a lot. Uh, it's good bringing back Carl. Uh, Bob Sanders been coaching D-line forever, so uh, he, he's in a good position to grow and learn, and uh, he just needs some uh, TLC, tender love and care. <laughs> That's great. So now you, we, we talked about the fact that you've switched from outside linebackers to inside linebackers. And uh, what, what was it like to switch positions you're coaching and within the same team where it is still, like you mentioned, it's the same guys mostly that are still here. And, and what was that like to have to move to another room for you? Well, it was a little easier because, you know, that's the position I played. And when I started off coaching, I was coaching that. So uh, the last uh, two years, them guys always tell me, hey, be quiet, you're not our coach. So <laughs> I've been kind of being – I was Caldwell, a little assistant the last previous uh, three years. So uh, those guys are used to hearing my voice and uh, always been giving them uh, a few uh, pointers here and there. Moving from that position over, did it even kind of give you a different mindset about some of the other guys that you're working with? And now that you are a pass game coordinator yeah. and needing to look at the whole defense, how do you feel like that helped you maybe even grow as a coach? Well, just as uh, far as pass rushing, this training camp, we've been working on that big time. And just 
my previous years of just pass rushing, you know, just hands and knowing how to flip a little bit, that helped me uh, bring that element to the inside backers. Mm. So uh, they're benefiting from that. So that's uh, knowing what the D-line and what we want and what we expect, I've been just, you know, sharing that with the inside guys. Okay, we're talking to Coach Larry Foote. And uh, what are Devin and Levante like to coach? I have to imagine that's kind of a, a dream dream duo for a coach there. <laughs> they're definitely opposite. Uh, <laughs> like Devin said, you know, one old guy, one young guy. Yeah. But uh, they're definitely uh, opposite. Levante more quiet, more reserved. You know, he just had his first child, married man. Devin's still young. Uh, he's a cowboy. Everybody knows he loves <laughs> horses. Uh but, you know, he's a, he's a challenge, you know. <laughs> but coming from JPP the last couple of years, ain't nobody can top that. So yeah. <laughs> I can handle it. Uh, you know, I got five kids myself, four young boys. So uh, repeating myself over and over and over again, I'm used to that. That's kind of like a my language. Yeah. You know, I'm going to repeat whatever, yeah. whatever you want to call it. Uh, but. I'm used to telling somebody to do something over and over again. That's pretty funny. So, yeah, now you've gone up to having essentially, what, eight or nine kids right. now instead. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, how about K.J. Britt? This is a guy that we saw him make a few really great special yeah. teams plays. And what are the what's the potential you see for him as an inside linebacker and then just what we see also his ability to be a contributor on special teams? he got to grow. Uh, his role right now, he got to be an alpha male on special teams. We just lost uh, Grant, who's uh, in that position last year. So KJ got to uh, dominate, and uh, he's more than capable. And at the same time, he got to be ready. We've called on uh, if one of those guys go down, and he just got to keep learning and, uh, the game. I expect good things from him when he has his opportunity. One of the big storylines of preseason uh, was Olukunle Fatukasi, which we will now from here on out call 03. As you 03. guys refer to him, yeah, I just yeah. needed to prove I knew how to say <laughs> the name, and then now we're done with that. So uh, 03 making the roster. Right. Uh, what did you guys see from him in preseason that made you say, yeah, this is a guy that maybe we didn't expect to right. be this place, but it shows that, man, you guys know, even if you didn't plan on a guy right. being there, if he proves it, he, he he's earned it. So what did he do to earn it? He is one of those guys, and I've – I played with a lot of these guys, been around them. Oh, okay, looks like a nice developmental piece, but that first preseason game, he was lights out. And I, I tell him, I say, you're a better gamer than practice player. And uh, he shows up under the uh, the lights, and uh, he got Coach Bowles' attention, everybody's attention. Um, but I, same challenge. I said, look, this is your role. You're not going to be out there getting sacks and lining people up. You got to do it on special teams. And uh, – we expect uh, big things from him, but uh, what a blessing. Not too often a free agent uh, from Rutgers come and make a 53 uh, roster opening day. So uh, he has size. He has a uh, good length. He just got to, uh, you know, keep growing and learning. And then what do you feel like are the biggest ways you watched the defense benefit from going against our offense in, in terms of getting – prepped in camp and I mean that's it's a heck of a group to go against and right. you know what are the ways that you feel like you watch what they do on offense really making you guys better uh they got a lot of multiple uh, personnel uh they can run the ball they got a lot of talent you know a lot of, of receivers and uh not a shot against our backup quarterbacks but when you get to play Tom Brady versus any other quarterback is night and day and uh 
well, what a privilege. What a privilege. And uh, I remember Levante got an interception on time. I said, you know, you can pick him off. You're ready. You're ready, ready yeah. to go. And uh, that's just how elite, you know, I don't need to say that. Everybody knows that. But uh, we got talent. And uh, the offensive line, you know, our tackles, those guys are elite. All right, we got one more segment coming up here on Buccaneers Total Access with pass game coordinator and inside linebackers coach Larry Foote. Brought to you by Advent Health. This is the Buccaneers Radio. Buccaneers Total Access with head coach Todd Bowles now continues. Brought to you by Advent Health. Welcome back in to Buccaneers Total Access with pass game coordinator and inside linebackers coach Larry Foote. Uh, we talked about you switching positions you were coaching, but also you got that pass game coordinator added to your title. This is largely due to Coach Bowles being elevated to head coach. Uh, he's still calling the plays because it was so late, you know, mm-hmm. to try to get somebody else up and running on that front. But now you and Casey Rogers are essentially sharing a defensive coordinator role and title. Uh, tell me what that has looked like practically and what excites you about this new challenge, new opportunity for, for both you and Casey. Uh, the main thing, me and Casey, we just trying to take a little bit off of uh, Bowles' plate as far as like adjustments and like game planning. You know, I probably I work more with the DB coaches and go run down the hallway. You know, that's the tough part now. He's all the way on the other <laughs> side of the building. But, uh, you know, I'm mainly just going back and forth. And um, when we hear ideas, we just – I get those guys together So while he's doing, you know, his CEO stuff and uh, <laughs> taking pictures and kissing babies. But <laughs> – in case he try to uh, take a, a lot off his plate so he can handle, you know, foresee everything. Yeah, and what are the, the ways that you feel like players would describe you as a coach and maybe now in this new role too? What are the things that you want to do? If, you, if you're thinking, what do I want them to say about me, what you think they'd say about you, what would that be? I don't know. I mean, uh, I'm a people person, you know. <laughs> yeah, you're very you, you shy. You see me around. Uh, <laughs> I'm talkative. Uh, you know, I'm an ex-player. I'm always going to view myself in this game from underneath the helmet. Mm. So uh, I share with them guys. I'm not hesitant to uh, share any ideas or things I see. And, as uh, you know, one player to a former player, they get it. Uh, I just talk ball with them. And, you know, I talk about life. I just, you know, I'm just not a, a jock. But uh, I try to share with the young guys. When I started coaching, you know, be away from my family. So I'm going to share experience on the field and off the field. And uh, hopefully I can uh, help these young guys. And what has been similar or different about Bowles now that he is in the head coach role? Because it is interesting to be same team, largely same staff, and now him just in a little bit of a different role. What is similar or different as Todd Bowles' defensive coordinator versus Todd Bowles' head coach? I, I think the offensive side gets the benefit of hearing some of his ideals mm-hmm. and uh, the way he sees the game just enhance their game. You know, he's been around the, the game a long time. His confidence, him and B.A. are similar in that. They're just extremely confident. When they walk in, like, next man up and uh, – they, they view everybody, treat everybody the same. If you're in there playing, you're getting yelled at just like <laughs> yeah. you was a 12-year vet to, hey, I just got here, Coach. Yeah. Take it easy. But those guys are all uh, – they're similar in that standpoint, you know, uh, pedal to the, to the floor. Yeah, I mean, I, I know that uh, every player has at some point witnessed or been the victim of, shall we say, Coach Bowles' trash talk ability. Right. Does that also extend to coaches? Uh, uh, it starts there. It, oh, it we starts get, there. <laughs> oh, it starts there. We, we, we get them uh, warmed up. It starts there. You seem talk. like you'd give it back. 
I tried to, but guys with that title, I'm a little hesitant. <laughs> guys more on my level, you know, I, yeah. I don't hold nothing back. Sometimes tired, I, I let him get the last word from time to time. You, you just let him. That's, yeah. what we, that's what I'm hearing is that you could, but you're just letting him feel like he's won the battle I there. respect the title, you know. Now he's the head coach yeah. in our room. He's Supreme Court. Mm. And, uh, you know, he used to be the judge. Now he's the Supreme, Supreme Court. Supreme Court. That's smart. Right. You don't mess with that. No. Uh, all right, going into this game against the Saints, uh, man, this is, this is a team that, for whatever reason, has unfortunately had the Bucks number, right. at least in the regular season. Mm -hmm. Thankfully, they, the Bucks had it when it really counted. Right. But uh, what are the things that you guys are looking at now that you know they have a uh, new head coach and but a lot of the same talent out there on mm -hmm. the field that you know, looking at last time, what hasn't gone well that needs to go differently this time? Uh, well, they're, they're tough. Uh, they're a tough team on both sides of the ball. They play the brand of ball that teams uh, want to play, and they do it. Uh, it starts with their defense, the physicality. Uh, they got weapons all over there. Guys are coming back now, and uh, we know Jameis Winston, uh, the problems that he can present to us. And they're just a good brand football team. They got the right personnel in that building. And uh, you ain't got to have a lot of sexy names. You just got to have tough guys that uh, like playing the game. And uh, since I've been here, I see that. When we go play them, you better uh, you better uh, pack a lunch and because uh, it's going to be four quarters. Who are some of the biggest names on that offense that present a problem in the way that especially they can do so many different things uh, how you how that affects the way you prepare? Well, I mean, they got an ultimate. Uh, they got a great running back. They got a top one of the top five wide receivers when healthy. Uh, they brought the the savvy Landry guy there. So uh, Jameis, he can sling it with the best of them. So they got weapons that we're gonna have to uh, match up with. But they bring that physicality also, and uh, it's gonna be a great game. We love playing them. Uh, Unfortunately for us, they've been getting the, <laughs> the best of us. So hopefully in 22, we uh, turn it around. Yeah, it just means you're due. It yeah, means you're due. All I'll right, well, it. Coach, thank you so much for joining us. This has been awesome. We always appreciate your time, and uh, good luck this next week. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks to all of you guys for listening. This has been Buccaneers Total Access, brought to you by Advent Health. This is Buccaneers Radio.